that is Louis Armstrong's first recorded solo in a tune called Chimes Blues. It was recorded in 1923 when the young Mr. Armstrong, age 22, had been summoned to Chicago by his idol Joe King Oliver to play second cornet in Oliver's Creole Jazz Band. A small sample, maybe, but it still catches the ear today, I think, as it did then. You really hear the confidence, that powerful sound, and the rhythmic swing. And by the way, Armstrong's sound was so much more powerful than the rest of the band, including Oliver, that he had to stand far away from the big conical horn at Gannett Records during that recording session. It's at the Jazz Band Ball, a podcast interested in early jazz and the musicians who shaped the music in the early part of the 20th century. I'm your host, Kevin McLaughlin. Today on the show, we're going to listen back to many of these early recordings that Louis Armstrong made at the start of his career. And we'll listen for the cornet and trumpet playing, of course, but also we're going to highlight Armstrong's singing which fairly busted out of him from these earliest days and may well have been just as important to the development of jazz. Well, let's jump right into the music. This is an early example called Snake Rag from 1923 that really shows Lewis's abilities as a collaborative improviser. Now, King Oliver's Chicago band was unusual in that it featured two cornets, himself and Lewis, with cornet being traditionally the lead instrument. So that meant that Lewis had to figure out a way to integrate his part into Oliver's without upstaging him, and all on the fly. Snake Rag features several two-cornet breaks that the band was famous for. Now, breaks are these stop-time solos, kind of windows when the band stops and all you hear is the soloist, or soloists in this case. And there are seven breaks here. The first few are simple chromatic runs, but then the last two are much more interesting. Now, in addition to King Oliver and Lewis on cornets, you'll hear the Dodds Brothers, clarinetist Johnny and drummer Baby Dodds. Here's Snake Rag, King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band from 1923 with the young Louis Armstrong playing second cornet. Thank you. 
Snake Rag, played by King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band, featuring a 22-year-old Louis Armstrong on second cornet. Well, Louis Daniel Armstrong was born in New Orleans, Louisiana, in August of 1901, not July 4th, 1900, as he liked to say. And he spent his youth in a pretty rough neighborhood called the Battlefield or it was really the red light district of New Orleans. And his father, William Armstrong, abandoned the family when Lewis was just an infant. And his mother worked in the sex industry to keep house and home together. He was really raised uh, through a combination of his mother and his grandmother. He, worked, he went to work from the time he was seven years old for a really a saintly family called the Karnofskys, Lithuanian Jews who were kind of a second family for Lewis and who advanced him money to buy his first cornet. And then as an 11-year-old, because he fired off a pistol on New Year's Eve in 1912, he was arrested and sent for a year and a half to the Colored Waifs Home, a kind of reform school for orphans. But the silver lining about that was that was where he learned to read music, and he played in the band, and he received his first lessons on the cornet. Well, Lewis is going to Chicago in 1923 to, to join Joe King Oliver's band was fateful for another reason, a personal reason. He, that was where he met his future wife, Lil Hardin, who played piano in King Oliver's band. Lil Hardin, Lillian Hardin, was quite a musician, excellent pianist and singer, and we could do a whole show just on her career. Uh, but she urged Armstrong to seek more prominent billing and develop his style apart from the influence of Oliver. And at her suggestion, Lewis began to break free and started. he started to do some gigs around Chicago. So Lewis did a few gigs in the city in Chicago. And one of these recordings that we have from that time is Everybody Loves My Baby, it's recorded by Clarence Williams's Blue Five. Uh, the vocal part here is done by Ava Taylor, 
who was Clarence Williams' wife. And you'll hear a soprano sax by Buster Bailey. Amazing fiery cornet solo that concludes the performance by Lewis. Here's Everybody Loves My Baby, recorded in 1924. Everybody Loves My Baby, Clarence Williams and his Blue Five, and featuring Louis Armstrong on a hot cornet solo at the end, and the vocalist Ava Taylor, who was Clarence Williams' wife. That was the biggest hit of uh, Clarence Williams' Blue Five group, uh, partly because of the tune, which struck everybody's fancy, but also because of Ava Taylor's pert vocal and the great playing of Louis Armstrong. Well, we're listening to some early recordings of the great Louis Armstrong today on At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. It's great to have you along. Well, the next stop for Louis Armstrong is New York City, where he joined the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra in 1924. Now, at the time, Fletcher Henderson's band was considered the elite ensemble anywhere. And when Lewis arrived, he was thought of as kind of a country bumpkin because of the way he dressed and the way he talked. But as soon as he played, 
the whole band shut up. <laughs> uh, here is Sugarfoot Stomp from 1925. Uh, this shows just how much Lewis uh, influenced the Henderson Band. It's based on Dippermouth Blues, uh, which was a nickname of Armstrong's and it was probably written by Armstrong himself. Uh, but Don Redmond, the arranger for the Fletcher Henderson Band, changes it up a little bit. He puts a clarinet trio in the middle and adds some other things. But it's basically the same tune. Here's Sugarfoot Stomp, Play That Thing, that was the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra with their newest hayseed, Louis Armstrong playing Sugarfoot Stomp from 1925. 
Well, just as Louis Armstrong's trumpet playing was so influential, so too was his singing voice. Of course, we associate him with his gritty, gravelly vocal quality of his later years, which has become almost cartoonish to modern ears. But I, I think from the, even the very beginning, we can hear qualities that exemplify good singing, the ability to communicate the meaning of a song, easy and purposeful delivery of lyrics, satisfying phrasing, and good intonation. He's always in tune. We're going to hear next a 1926 recording of Heebie Jeebies, which has gone down in jazz history as the first scat vocal on record. And the story goes that Lewis dropped his music during the recording session and instead of picking it up, decided to just improvise nonsense vocal syllables instead. Well, it's probably apocryphal. Uh, he uh, he knew the song pretty well. He'd already been through it uh, once, uh, but it makes a good story, and it was one that he told uh, later on. Here is Heebie Jeebies from 1926, Louis Armstrong and his Hot Five.
Louis Armstrong and his Hot Five with Heebie Jeebies from 1926, which included the very first scat vocal on record. Lewis didn't invent scat singing. It had been around for a few years, but he certainly popularized it with that song and others. It's early Louis Armstrong today, 1923 to about 1931 on At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. Thanks for coming along. Well, next we're going to hear a recording that has maybe the most famous 12 seconds in jazz. It's the opening cadenza of West End Blues from 1928. Armstrong began recording with a brand new Hot Five, he called them, uh, made up of younger musicians he was regularly playing with in Chicago at the time, uh, chief among them being the pianist Earl Father Hines and the drummer Zooty Singleton. Uh, here playing the hand cymbals, which you're, you'll hear as a kind of clippity-clop sound uh, throughout. You'll wonder, what the heck is that? Well, it's hand cymbals. That's uh, a simple blues form that was written by his mentor, Joe King Oliver. And there's another recording, sometime you should look for on YouTube, of Joe King Oliver playing the same opening cadenza and... Uh, now, to my mind, Lewis is, is better. Here is West End Blues from 1928. Oh, by the way, listen to the singing. Um, I think is uh, quite effective. It's uh, Lewis singing kind of a wordless uh, wah-wah chorus. He still has a higher tenor voice in 1928, not the deeper gravelly voice that he was so beloved for later on. All right, here's West End Blues from 1928. Louis Armstrong and his Hot Five.
Oh, so, so good. That's Louis Armstrong and his Hot Five with West End Blues, recorded in Chicago in 1928. And that tune, by the way, is credited with changing the course of jazz from a concertato sort of ensemble style of music where members contribute equally to a more soloistic style with one instrument dominating the texture. In 1925, Armstrong returned to Chicago, leaving the Fletcher Henderson Band at the insistence of his wife, Lil, who was still keen to expand his career and make a little more money. In publicity, much to his chagrin, Lil often billed him as the world's greatest trumpet player, and he formed Louis Armstrong and his Hot Five with Lil at the piano, Kid Ori trombone, Johnny Dodds clarinet, and Johnny St. Cyr banjo. And later on, he added Pete Briggs, Tuba, and Baby Dodd's drums to form the Hot Seven, which we will hear now. This was one of his hits in 1927 called Potato Head Blues. Listen for the stop time solo chorus in the last half of the record. It's one of the good old good ones, as he used to say. Potato Head Blues, 1927. Thank you. 
Potato Head Blues from 1927, Louis Armstrong and his Hot Seven. In 1929, Louis Armstrong was engaged on Broadway. He was asked to play in the pit for Fats Waller and Andy Razoff's Hot Chocolates, which was a review, so a succession of musical numbers, from which the most famous tune to emerge was Ain't Misbehavin'. And that's what we'll hear in this hit recording that Armstrong made of it in 1929. Now, just imagine going to the show and hearing him play this night after night. Evidently, he always made it sound fresh, even the Gershwin quote that he added the first time and then kept. Uh, Then we'll follow that with another hit from the show, but one that he did not play from the pit, and that is, What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue? Thank you. 
the bed. Spring's heart has led. Feel like old Ned. Wish I was dead all my life through. I've been so black and blue. Even the mouse ran from my house. They laugh at you and scorn you too. What did I do then to be so black and blue? Oh, I'm white inside, but that don't help my case. What is it, my? How will it end? Ain't got a friend. My only sin is in my skin. What did I do to be so black and from the Hot Chocolates Review of 1929. We heard Louis Armstrong singing What Did I Do to Be So Black and Blue? And before that, we heard Ain't Misbehaving. Well, we have time for one more, and this may be the most unusual item in our early Armstrong retrospective. Jimmy Rogers was known during his lifetime as the singing brakeman and later as the father of country music. Well, he began to record in 1927 and made more than 100 sides before his untimely death from tuberculosis. Rogers was famous for his blue yodels, and what we're going to hear is blue yodel number nine, which Lewis was evidently asked to record with Rogers shortly after he had gone to California to star in Frank Sebastian's new Cotton Club. And collectors have argued for years about whether this is actually Louis Armstrong, but I think if you hear the trumpet playing, there will leave no doubt as to the real identity. Well, before we get to that, I just want to thank you for listening this week. And um, next time, we're going to listen to some jazz soundies, those short films predating MTV that could be heard in the early 1940s on music jukeboxes called Panoram Machines, found in nearly every bar, restaurant, and night spot in America for a short time in the early 40s. So many great performances captured on film by the likes of Billie Holiday and Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong and many others. So you'll just have to come back for that. By the way, if you're enjoying these podcasts, I hope you'll subscribe and rate us. That's how we find out that you're out there. And it's always fun to hear from you. So the email for the show is kevin at at thejazzbandball.com. And thanks to everybody who has subscribed to my Substack, which is kevinmclaughlin.substack.com. We've had quite a few of you in recent weeks, so that's nice to see. This is At the Jazz Band Ball. I'm Kevin McLaughlin. We'll see you next time, everybody. 
Here is Blue Yodel number nine, Louis Armstrong trumpet and Jimmy Rogers guitar and vocals. <laughs> It was down in Memphis, corner of Beale and Maine. He says, big boy, you'll have to tell me your name. I said, you'll find my name on the tail of my shirt. I'm a Tennessee hustler, I don't have to wait. Listen all you rounders, you better leave my women alone Cause I'll take my special and run all you rounders home The Looking for my man, the old lady. 